Hello and welcome to another episode of To Affinity and Beyond. I'm Pete Denby, host of the podcast and co-founder at Hyper. Today I'm joined by Tom Hill and Jesse Stewart of Hyper and we explore the phenomenon that is TikTok, specifically what makes it so addictive. We go into detail about the recommendation engine that sits behind their For You content recommendations and even go as far as live testing the recommendations that Jesse, Tom and myself get. There are also honorable shout outs for Lester and for Jesse's dad. Uh, and this was a really enjoyable episode to make. So I hope you enjoyed the content. Now let's get into it. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by regular guest Tom Hill and also Jesse Stewart. First time on the podcast. How are you feeling, Jesse? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So um, one of the things I love about Hyper is that we all seem to hail from very glamorous parts of the world and those of us who come from the UK, particularly glamorous. So um, Jesse and Tom, you are fellow Leicesterites, am I right? Yeah, that's correct. Indeed we are, the the greatest city in the country, Peter. (laughs) Okay, so so what's the best thing to come out of Leicester? Well, Bragate Park's pretty good and the uh, National Space Centre, National Space Centre, not just nothing like that. We have rockets, Peter, in Leicester. Um, did you have rockets in Scunthorpe? We probably made the steel for rockets, but we didn't have the <laughs> finished uh, article. Touche on that one. Um, yeah, I think Leicester's got a lot of great things, to be honest with you. You sort of start in the city centre, uh, the clock tower, and you can walk your way up the high street up to Vicky Park, take a little tour around Vicky Park, which is, which is really nice. And then I think you can walk down towards the greatest football club that's ever existed and take a tour around uh, King Power Stadium, which is always good. And on the way, you'll see the only replica of the Statue of Liberty that in, in the whole of uh, England. And there you go. Who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to visit Leicester after that? And then at the end of it all, if you come back, you can take a trip to Leicester Market and see the infamous Lineker's stall, where Gary Lineker's dad used to sell fruit and veg for however many years, 20 or 30 years, which was... Um, mm. Which is the main reason why anyone came, I think. Nah, I'm not sure Leicester Market's that good, to be fair. <laughs> well, it is if you want Gary Lineker's dad to serve you fruit and veg. Nah, it's just fruit. Nothing, away nothing, now. Else there. nothing else there, it's just fruit. What's your preferred market, Jesse? Oh, Daventry Market, obviously. <laughs> my, it's my dad's a market trader there, so got to, got to rep the um, family business. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought lots of... Uh, fake Nike Air Max or leather jackets from Leicester Market in my time. I say fake, I'm sure they were actual genuine Anyone. products. <laughs> <laughs> the, be- the best stall always on a market, was two best stalls always on a market. One is the butcher that's bagging up 50 tonnes of meat and selling it for £5 or well, £4. Anyone give me £4? £4 for this bag of meat? I'm going to put some extra sausages. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great on a market. And then the other one is, for some unknown reason, there's always a stall with all the cleaning products that you could ever wish to buy in the world for yeah, 20 pence. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's yes. Best all. We've just given him two plugs. Yeah. What's his stall called, Jesse? I think he's got a name. Oh. Nah, it's not Should, a, it's we not, create a name? Not very good brand in there. What's his surname? Same as mine. Good, just checking. <laughs> um, Stuart Stupendous. Can anyone think of a cleaning uh, reference beginning with an S? Jammy Leathers. <laughs> kind of using a sure <laughs> anyway good right we'll give up with the branding let's stick to data but there are sponsorship opportunities available for this podcast so if Stuart's chamois leathers 
are interested in promoting their wares, then you know we're open to negotiation. Or if they wanted to make a TikTok, also an opportunity. So the subject of this podcast today, we're going to talk about TikTok and its amazing rise to prominence over recent years, and particularly um, how the algorithm used by TikTok um, makes it so addictive. Um, I've got a bit of a confession to make. So I hadn't used TikTok at all up until recently when we decided we would make it the subject of a podcast, incredibly. Hadn't used it, but I downloaded it um, a few weeks ago and we've used it quite a bit since and you know, do find it uh, incredibly uh, addictive. So very interesting topic to talk about. Um, Jesse, you're probably the most experienced at using TikTok uh, in our group. So could you provide an intro to what TikTok is who tends to use it from a consumer perspective and, and then also a little bit about how brands tend to use the platform. Yeah, sure. Um, so TikTok's a short form video sharing app and it allows um, users to create and share videos that are from 15 seconds to one minute long. Um, and there's a wide variety of videos on there. You can get like comedy videos, lip syncing, dance videos, um, home decor and reactions and stuff like that. Um, so how it works is there's two streams of content. Um, so there's a selection of videos that have been put together based on people that you've chosen to follow. Um, so they're a bit more predictable on what you'd expect and similar to other social media sites like Instagram. Um, but then there's also the For You page, which is an endless stream of curated content based on videos that you've watched previously. So these are videos that have been recommended to you. And I think that's the focal point of TikTok, to be honest. Um, I think the main users of it are young people, so predominantly Gen Z. Um, it seems to have blown up massively over COVID um, and there's a lot of trends and it seems to be like a really popular thing uh, with younger people at the minute. Um, and then I think the last point was how brands use it. So there's a few different ways that brands can interact with TikTok. So they can pay for advertising on there. So sometimes when you first of all open the app, there'll be an ad that takes up the whole screen and they're um, paid ad products. You can also get some conventional ads um, during the use of TikTok, so like in between other videos that you're watching. And then sometimes brands will make their own TikTok account um, so that they can post like not so much advertisements, but like brand awareness videos and things like that. Like a lot of brand challenges happen. Um, for example, Gymshark did one quite recently that was the 60 days uh, to change your life challenge. Um, and it had a specific hashtag. So you could post, uh, you set a goal and you could post your video before and then after a certain amount of time, see if you'd achieved this goal. And I think if you included the hashtag, you got put in with a chance to win like a lifetime supply of Gymshark clothes or something like that. So quite a few brands interact with it that way. Right, fantastic. And are there any, you know, any other particularly prominent brands that you've come across um, using TikTok who, who really stand um, out? I think ASOS do it really well. Um, so they really took advantage of people working from home and they did a lot of like work from home outfit recommendations, um, which I actually found quite useful. And also um, I imagine they were great for them as well to promote people using um, ASOS to buy the clothes. Um, and Amazon have great ones as well. So like um, there's a lot of videos about like what you didn't realize you needed from Amazon. Okay, cool. Um, and Tom, you, you know, I know you and I have probably used TikTok less than Jesse, but we're, we're certainly uh, getting addicted to it now. Um, what, what do you think makes it so popular? Well, I'm not Gen Z, um, mainly for the fact that I call it Gen Z. So that tells you that I'm of a different generation. <laughs> but but that aside, so I 
I mean, my use of his TikTok is even less because you guys have bullied me into downloading it today and, and signing up. So I'm, I'm interested in the onboarding experience and I've just been playing with it a little bit. Uh, but I would have just said that I'm mainly on it for the sea shanties if you'd, uh, if you'd asked me. Um, so to, to try and answer your question from my limited knowledge, but my knowledge of a lot of these types of platforms and other platforms that we all use and consume every day, I think what I really liked is it's very quick and easy to onboard. So you've got sign up with Google or Facebook or anything else. So I don't have to think of a new password, a new username, anything like that, because that's painful. And, and, and we talk a lot about ease and data enabling ease and everything like that's a brilliant um, addition to, to signing up for things because it doesn't get in the way. So within three seconds, I'd, I'd click two buttons and I didn't need to put a password in, which was great. And then I think the next thing, which is really clear, is speed. Speed to things that I want to see. Um, and so from my limited sort of usage of it today and trying to quickly train the algorithm into things that I want to watch, I could see it really quickly starting to serve more of those videos to me. Um, and that's critical. So ease and speed. So speed to get into interesting things, which is the next thing. It's got great content on there. Unlike other social platforms, I think that promote popular content so influencers and hashtags and people that like this um which is often is often very um corrupted by brands taking advantage of those people and forcing content that you actually might not want it rewards good content and that's what the algorithm does which we'll talk about later on and i think there's a lot of good content and it's curated by people um, and it's about that, that good content being showed to you based on what you like rather than popular content, which is great. I think another aspect of it is, is music. I knew everyone loves music. It, it brings everyone together and it's, it's clearly a key aspect of TikTok and what it tries to do. And even videos about football, which is what I've tried to watch a lot of today, have all got music on it and like emotional music when people are missing penalties like the heartbreak of uh, of England last week and uh, it brings the emotional factor up, doesn't it? And um, makes me just want to cry a little bit more. But um, yeah, there's a music aspect to it as well that everyone, um, everyone wants to see. So I think they're a key ones. But I think the important thing that we're going to discuss today is the way that data's used to really, really quickly serve you things that you are going to watch and that, make, and that makes it addictive and that makes you want to use it a lot more. Okay, and so we talk about data and you know, data feeds into the algorithm that drives the for you aspect, the personalization aspect of TikTok. So, so Jesse, how, how does that for you algorithm work in, in, uh, in broad terms? So every time you interact with one of the videos, TikTok will collect the data about how you've actually engaged with it. So this could be whether you've liked it or commented on it, um, certain people that you follow or information about the video, such as um, what it was called, what music was played over the top, for example. Um, and it's not always necessarily just about the videos. It could be to do with some of your settings, so where you're located in the world or what language you speak. So it's collecting all of this data about you as you're watching the videos. And then um, it will weight the different factors based on how important it thinks they are um, to recommend your next video. So. Um, if you watch a video from start to finish without skipping on to the next one, the TikTok rates that really highly as a indicator of you enjoying the content. Whereas just because the creator and you might be in the same location, that's downweighted because that's not as important. Um, and then once it's got all of these variables and the weightings, 
Um, it can rate other videos based on how similar they are to these videos that you enjoyed or it thinks you enjoyed. And then it can rank them. And then that's essentially the For You page. So it's this, so this list of curated ranked videos that just you can flick through and should be tailored to be similar to things you've watched before. Um, so that's generally how it works. Um, there's also some thoughts that TikTok won't show you anything too repetitive. Or it won't show you completely repetitive patterns video after video. They might after a while, but not instantly. Um, but it may take a chance and show you videos that aren't necessarily what you would like, um, but are enjoyed by people who watch the same videos as you. So it uses collaborative filtering. Um, and then on occasion, it will show you something completely different just to increase diversity, really, in the hope that it might broaden your horizons and show you a new perspective or just find you a new interest. Because then if you do go on to enjoy that, it will have learned something extra about you and then it can include that in the recommendation. And that's really good, Jesse, in terms of we do a lot of that in, in our markets and in consumer brands in, in, in its whole. So you talked about what the aspects of a video are that you, that you want to understand and that you like, and they're just attributes. So is it a football video? Um, is it a music video? And so on. And you can get thousands of attributes. Well, that's just the same in other, other industries. So for retail, uh, is it a dress or is it a... Um, or is it a pair of trousers, things like that? Just, just attributes are the grey, and then, and I like, I like the concept of things that you like. So when recommendation engines are created, leveraging those attributes, when you've got a real understanding of what I like, um, you can show me loads more of that, and that's that's likely to keep me coming back and engaging with the brand because I trust the fashion retailer. Because as soon as I've gone down that route, I'll continue um, to keep buying products from there because you're definitely going to have the things that I want and that I wear. But then things that you didn't know that you liked is a brilliant uh, element of collaborative filtering and leveraging the crowd and the data and the, the data that's in there to want to say you, you've never looked at this, but people like you and all of those attributes that you consume on a daily basis also like these things mean that you're much more likely to like it. Um, and, and that's some real transferable concept into other industries that um, some people do well, some people do less well. But I think TikTok have done it really, really well from that aspect. And, and the speed in which they do it, is, as already mentioned, is, is really good. And I guess that last point um, about showing you things that um, you might not, you know, necessarily, your behaviour might not indicate that you like, but people like you have liked. So you have another area to explore is really important. I think one of the criticisms that's often uh, thrown at some of these algorithmic platforms, you know, whether it be TikTok or uh, Netflix or Amazon, is that it can be a bit self-fulfilling, as in the recommendations are very similar to what you've already uh, consumed. So then there becomes a bit of a saturation point. So I guess um, in, in doing what you've just you've both just described, it's helping to guard against that. Uh, that happening so you then find a new area of interest and then you can kind of explore from there um, and, and, it, and it really opens up the possibilities and um, the chances of the consumer staying on the platform and, and consuming more content yeah we, we, I think one of the things that again another comparison is Thread um, who I've used a, a fair bit and I'm kind of growing tired with and that's one thing that TikTok have got they've got constant new content that people are engaging with and a shift in content because you watch something slightly different or somebody creates something slightly different and then you're into it. Thread have got a similar process of onboarding you and saying, which outfits do you wear? Which outfits do you like? What outfits do you not like? And I really engaged with that brand for uh, probably eight, eight, eight months to a year going, this is brilliant. And, and it's showing me things that I want to wear. And, 
showing me outfits that I wouldn't have thought to wear in, in different ways. But then it's just run out. And I've got to the point now where I'm like, you just show me the same outfit every week because they recommend five outfits a week. Um, and when you don't show me an outfit that I like or haven't seen before, it's awful. And I'm going, I hate that. So that I feel like their, their ability to do that, um, things you didn't know you liked, is, is, is poor there. And, and for that reason, I'm growing tired because I'm in essence looking at exactly the same content week in, week out, and, and that's not sustainable. So another, another big tick in the box for TikTok. Tick, I think tick, TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. Um, I think Thread's an interesting example, actually. And I, I often wonder with Thread um, if they run out of possibilities because of the brand partnerships that they have. Um, and they have some good brands on there, although you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder for, for uh, uh, brands, particularly clothing brands, but I think they've got some decent brands, but I don't think it goes far enough. So I think you can kind of run out of um, options, but I, I haven't used Thread personally, but do they also throw in um, kind of inspiration? So not just outfits, but do they go further? So they, do they feature? Um, I don't know different kind of fashion settings or you know links to fashion weeks or whatever it might be to kind of um, drag you further into the um, you know the area of, of uh, fashion. Yeah, they t they tend to do um, lifestyle content, so how to how to go to a barbecue and and, and look cool, um, and they wouldn't have written that at all because no one says cool and sounds cool anymore. Um, but, but that type of thing or, or how to wear a certain item of clothing. So there's, there's a lot of good content in that way where how to wear a certain pair of shoes and, and what trousers they go with. And it's, that, that's good. Um, but then when you, it translates into, so what products would I buy? Um, it, it doesn't. And I think it falls down. And probably to your point, Pete, in that they don't have enough breadth and new content um, and new, in, in, their, in their perspective product. Um, to keep it fresh and to keep me interested. If I get another recommendation, which is essence, why don't you have another polo t-shirt? I'm like, well, I know I like polo t-shirts and whenever I want one, because the one I'm wearing's faded, I'll buy it. I don't need you to tell me about that. Um, so it's a little bit like that, which I feel like it, it's got into. And the, the other thing with um, that content in, in TikTok is when it's fresh, when it's new and when it's interesting, you're willing to put up with advertising. Um, and I think that when Jesse talked about the advertising, from just my experiences today, it's quite intrusive. I'm like, woof, that's, that's in your face. But, but, but you're willing to kind of go past it because the next thing's interesting and different and the next thing and the next thing. Um, and so I, I think that ability to create, curate lots of amazing content and make it interesting is, is key to all social media platforms. And there's a lot that could learn from TikTok. And we, we talk a lot about LinkedIn, which is where we're going to promote this, this uh, podcast and everyone keep, keep looking at LinkedIn and uh, listening to our podcast. But LinkedIn's gone, the, I think it's really at the opposite end of that spectrum now, which is I have to scroll past 50 things of garbage before I get to one interesting article about business, which is what LinkedIn used to be about. Um, and and it's, it's become a, a weird mix of Facebook and, and business and, and, and recruiters and advertising and I'm going well wait a minute that's that's not interesting to many people and LinkedIn could do a learn a lot from TikTok in terms of look at what I'm doing look at the speed in which I'm scrolling past all of these articles look at what I'm clicking on show me more of that um, because my my habits with LinkedIn I find it a real pain to force myself to to go on it to interact with it and to uh, leverage it even though it is a great tool 
to understand and to learn about what businesses are out there doing uh, and talent is out there doing. But trying to get to it now is painful. And again, TikTok, we're talking about TikTok. And I think those comparisons are good because it then highlights what that algorithm is doing for TikTok and why it's working so well. Yeah, I mean, I share your um, frustrations with LinkedIn, Tom. It's a necessary evil for uh, the likes of our uh, business and many others out there, but it's a very disappointing user experience. The amount of rubbish that you have to scroll through to get to uh, relevant content is incredible, really. Um, so I, I agree. I think they could learn from um, not only TikTok, but some other uh, platforms out there in terms of personalizing feeds, in terms of create, creating relevant communities. Um, you know, rather it just being kind of posturing for uh, um, uh, for, for various uh, aspects of the business that people think they're getting right. So, you know, I think if there's ever been a disruption opportunity, it's it's for a, a business social networking tool. Um, so uh, that might be our next big pivot. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, so I want to know just how good the TikTok recommendation engine and algorithm is. The TikTok for you. So I'm going to do a live test here. Um, if each of us look at TikTok, let's have a look at our recommendations in for you, uh, and we'll rate them out of ten for how accurate we think they are. So, Jesse, I'm going to come to you first. What have you got, and how accurate is it? Right. First of all, it's a Marvel-inspired makeup tutorial, which don't you might be able to see it. That's the first one. Um, questions I get when people find out that my sister is a international gymnast. Don't have a sister. So this one is a girl who works in Tesco, but is actually trying to get into musical theatre. So she does loads of like videos in Tesco, doing dancing around. Can we just go on? One more. Let's have one, one more. more. Um, so. I'm trying to think who this is. This is a girl who's in EastEnders called Maisie Smith, who looks to just be chatting on her bed with one of her friends. So probably probably would skip that one. And now I've left it on for so long. Next time, I'm have loads <laughs> like that. So that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then now I'm on an ad. So I've had four and I've got an ad already. Okay, so mixed mixed success, yeah. I would say. Okay. Uh, um, I can go. So I've got, um, I keep getting videos from a guy called Jeremy Lynch, who does uh, lots of football skills. I don't know if this is a famous person or not, but I'm definitely interested in football and I've probably lingered on football videos. So that, that kind of makes sense. I flick up, um, I get loads of iPhone tips. If you can see that on how oh, yeah. to use your iPhone um, by a guy called Tech Hack Guy. Uh, I'm a Neanderthal when it comes to using my iPhone, so that's a great video for me. And again, it's because I keep watching these things to the end. And then I've got one with a dog dancing. Um, I'm not into animals at all. Both my kids are dead scared of dogs, so that's um, that's not ideal. And like you just said, I'm going to flick away from that really quickly so I don't get more uh, dog videos. So, you know, I'd say... Two out of three ain't bad, in the words of the famous meatloaf. I can't believe you don't like dancing dogs is where I need to start with this, but once we get past that, uh, bombshell. <laughs> so where, where do I start? Cristiano Ronaldo, and he's scoring goals, because that's what he does. No, he's not. He's motivating his teammates as well. Show personality. Show personality. <laughs> and, and then scoring a goal. Right, so now I've got some tennis. 
and a baby crying, and uh, even Isovic is uh, apologising to the baby. Amusing, yeah, you, you win, you win. <laughs> Tennis bants. They're playing, they're playing, um, yeah, they're playing um, mixed doubles, I think, which is obviously on the um, seniors circuit, and I don't know if I've said the wrong words there, which tells you how much I follow tennis. Next, a woman cutting wine. Oh, cutting alcohol, yeah, boring. Yeah. Boring, woman playing with tights, boring, a candle. Oh, I've got iPhone tricks, but I know how to use my iPhone. <laughs> Get off that, people singing. Man rapping. Okay, so I think we're summarising that. Very mixed, very mixed. So, so Tom, who's just downloaded TikTok today, recommendations. Probably not quite, not quite there, yeah. Pretty, not quite there. Mine a little bit better, and, and Jess is uh, reasonably good as well. So this brings me to the question, how do you feel about helping TikTok to train its algorithm. So how do you feel about putting the time in for it to learn about you so that it can then play um, really relevant uh, videos? Um, I don't mind. I think it does it quite quickly. Um, I had a experience a while ago where I um, had to input my age and um, accidentally said I was under 18, which I'm definitely not. So my account got blocked, which was good um, because under 18 shouldn't be using TikTok. Um, so then I had to recreate a new account and reprove what my age actually was. Um, but it meant that all of my recommendations went back to the beginning. Um, and I think knowing how the algorithm worked, I could really quickly um, skip through certain amount of videos or watch ones or like ones that I was most interested in. Um, so that it, it, it quickly got back up to speed with what I wanted to see. Um, so I think it's, it's definitely worth it considering how well curated the content is and how long I can sync like hours into watching TikTok videos for. It's definitely worth it. Yeah, I'll answer from a much more boring perspective. Um, I, 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 I find it really interesting and I'm really okay with it because I think that anything, any of my data that I give to anybody that makes my life easier or more enjoyable, I'm happy to do. And maybe I'm just more trusting of, um, of that because I work in it. And I know that when you work in it, your genuine... Um, objective is, is to use it to make customer experience better in the main or better experiences because that's how you create loyalty not from tricking people into giving you information that you're going to use in the wrong way um, so like anything and google maps was when, when gdpr was talked about a lot and i told you i'd get boring um, and when it came in i think it's already it's already not keeping up with where where everything's gone and, and all that happened is that we now get on every single page that we get do you accept the cookie policy and I think most Gen Zs uh, would generally just go, yeah, 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 accept. Because they're seeing the benefit of the experience that they're getting back. And they're not really seeing any negatives yet. My mum, who I'm pretty sure has featured on two previous podcasts, um, reads out um, the Daily Mail to me. Oh, don't we feel a bit sick just hearing that? Um, and it's like, do you know? Do you know they're tracking your face on the streets, Tom? Do you know that they're tracking your face? And they know where you've gone. I'm like, yeah, great, Mum. They know I've just nipped up to Tesco to buy some wine for tonight. Ooh. <laughs> it's like, and I, what if they also use that to catch some criminals that aren't beating me up whilst I'm going to Tesco? She's like, well, I know, but, but you know, they can see your face. I think there's that real split and dichotomy between uh, young people's willingness to share data uh, and old people's really uh, suspicion around it and the Orwell, Orwellian sort of principles that there's an evil to it. Don't get me wrong, 
uh, as we've seen in the past with government stories around um, sort of the way, po- the way it's been used in politics, uh, that there are probably underhand ways that people have used data. But if you're a brand in the main, your brand will die and will die a very quick death if you do anything with data that's not really done in the right way. So for me, uh, in a very long-winded way, but I think that I'm more than happy to share all of my data in the main because if the experience I get back is better for it, uh, then I'm generally happy. Yeah, and I think it's that speed of learning, isn't it? I think one of the appeals of TikTok is that it's very, very quick to um, learn and update the algorithm so you don't have to wait for you know hours and hours and hours to get relevant content and i think um because of that it's 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 not uh, not too many people will have an objection but that that piece on kind of um, questionable use of data is an interesting one um and, and and i guess it's you know it's quite topical with some of the big tech firms um so and whether um consumers are willing to have their data used by companies in return for a better service or product or whatever it might be so do, do, do you think it's the responsibility of these big tech companies or the government or self-policed by consumers or a combination of things to make sure that that data is used in the appropriate way well, that's a big question. Um, and for, for me, I mean, the, the, obviously there will always be government legislation. I think the protection of data protection will always be um, a political and, uh, and governmental topic that they have to stay on top of. Um, however, what I would say is that legislation can't keep up with the te- technological changes. So there's always been data that's created um, that, that's in a, in a grey area. And that's where I think it's the organisation's responsibility to operate in, a, in, in, in the spirit of the law uh, and, and everything in, in that aspect and do the right thing for the customer. And we, we always talk about this, which is if you're doing something with data, you've got to be able to justify that there is a customer benefit to it. What are they getting from it? Not what, what are you getting from it? What are they getting from it? Uh, and if the, and if you can genuinely stand up and say, but here's the value that that person gets from me using that data in that way, uh, that's how I would hold a corporation to account. Um, and then I guess it's up to the consumer to then make a decision as to whether as to whether they're willing to share that data or not. My mum isn't. Jesse is, and I think that that's that's also fine, um, and it's also okay for each individual to be comfortable or uncomfortable with what data that they want to share. Where it becomes where it becomes more difficult uh, is is the likes of where you have no control over that data. So things like voice, uh, and I know voice is quite an emotive one, isn't it? But uh, the fact that Alexa's listening to absolutely everything that you say all the time, always, and spying on you is the perceived view of it. Um, and, and should they be doing that? And is it held and is it analysed? Again, I think I'm quite fine with that because it's, as long as it's analysed on a... Uh, anonymous basis to deliver better service that's fine if you found out um, that that data was being used for people to actually listen to real life conversations poke fun at them or laugh at them and people were mining the data in that way then there's a real concern and uh, so I think that that they're they're the areas where um, you can certainly see that it can push the boundaries but in the same instance, it always comes back to that piece, which is, are we doing a better job for our customers as a result of us using this data? Okay, good, good. So very strong answer. Um, okay, so um, just a couple of questions left, really. So, 
uh, how, uh, Jesse, I'll come to you on this one. Um, can you think of any ways that retailers and brands might leverage TikTok to engage customers? Um, really yeah, I think there was. Um, there's been quite a lot of good ones recently because of lockdown, especially. So within supermarkets, so obviously during lockdown, a lot of the clothes shops were shut, but supermarkets were still able to sell clothes within their stores. And I saw loads of videos that were recommending like areas of um, a particular clothing section of a retailer um, that I didn't even know existed. So they'd show you like a selection of like, like I don't know how to phrase this nicely, but like really fashionable clothes that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be there or like really in trend. Um, and it was great because it actually inspired me to go out and look into that section of the supermarket rather than just doing the food shop. Um, so I think that was really good. It, I suppose it's a combination of maximizing on the, the lockdown um, but it definitely opened my eyes to um, another place that I could shop for clothes. Well, the main the main thing I think for me with TikTok is it's for brand building. It, it is a content uh, platform and it's a video platform. And from that, I think brands can leverage it to do a lot of brand building. So you think about the likes of Nike and their TV advertising of the past um, and a campaign that always seems to ring true in my mind when I think of it is... Um, What's it called? Um, uh, dream, uh, what was it? Dream, cra- dream crazy. Um, and it was Serena Williams narrating it, and it was about how, um, well, females in sport, and were, were told initially that they were over emotional and and all these things, but then it just shows the strength of winning and, and what they did to overcome that. And and just thinking about it now makes my hair stand on end. That sort of content for brands will always win through, as long as Nike back it up. I think authenticity is critical if you are doing brand building via TikTok, and it's got to stand up. And obviously Nike have um, supported female athletes for however long and sponsored them, so that, 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 that works. Um, so that's what I'd say. I wouldn't say it's necessarily so much direct selling. You can do some direct selling, so you can obviously make funny things about products or new products, uh, and do lots of things like like this for um, the chance to win things like like all social channels. But I don't think brands are necessarily going down that route quite so much with TikTok and are more leveraging other people, to Jesse's point, um, and, and almost sponsoring other people um, to show people like them why you'd want to go into a supermarket to buy the clothes that you'd buy. And, and that's a route, that influencer market. Uh, and a way of using them to get to your uh, target market. I think, I think Amazon especially. I mean, what can Amazon do on TikTok as a brand? Probably a little bit around reassurance of um, uh, of their brand and their uh, practices, which have been criticised quite a lot in the media. So they could do a bit of that. But ultimately, can they push product out to customers? No. So they do a lot of what Jesse's pointed out earlier. So that Amazon things you wouldn't know you needed. Uh, and because Jesse mentioned it, I had a quick look at it. And I definitely think I need a mug warmer, which keeps your <laughs> cup of tea warm um, for as long as you need it to. Uh, and probably burns you if you touch it, don't know. Um, and then the best thing I saw was when you go to McDonald's in your car for a drive through you get a little airline tray that you clip onto your steering wheel and it becomes like, like a fold-down uh, airline tray on, a, on an airplane. And this is the best bit. And then a little clip that you put your dip holder in on, on your air vent so you can dip your chips uh, in your air vent on your car as well and i'm like who who wouldn't go onto amazon immediately to buy that having uh, having watched that you know like with most things to do with brand there's not an immediate return on investment as there would be with uh, more direct selling so i think you've got to be brave but i agree i think it's definitely in a mix particularly 
if your customer base um, fits a certain uh, demographic, uh, Gen, Gen Z or Gen Z, um, in Jesse's uh, terminology, uh, I think you've got to, um, you know, you've got to invest in the channel as a, as a brand building uh, exercise. Yeah, on, on that, I think it's it's definitely an entertainment channel as well, and it works for entertainment brands. So UEFA, and I talk a lot about football, I know that, but uh, UEFA, uh, TikTok were a key sponsor of um, UEFA 2020, uh, Euro 2020. And the way in which they engaged, I thought was interesting. Obviously, a lot of advertising around the grounds that you're watching it on TV, but then seeing what the TikTok content was, and it was behind the scenes stuff and stuff that you wouldn't see on the television without engaging with the platform, which was really nice. And they had the pitch side views of it um, and what was going on in the tunnel, tunnel cams, uh, that's clever because it's an entertainment industry and it's a, a video streaming so that that's good and NBA I think have used it quite a lot as well for, for similar things to sort of showing alternative content to just obviously all the other stuff that you get within football and basketball which is the entertainment and the glory of watching that sport so great goals great slam dunks and hoop shooting and that's twice that's twice I've said that I think on two podcasts without knowing what the hell I'm talking about so I'll stop there. So the final point I want to cover uh, is really what other social media platforms can do or are doing to be able to replicate TikTok. So, you know, what do you think the future looks like, um, you know, for other platforms out there in, in terms of using similar um, techniques and ideas to TikTok to, to kind of keep them relevant? Instagram have already started, really. They've um, recently introduced their new Reels section um so you know one of the things you can click at the bottom and it's basically just like short form video sharing um curated in a very similar way um so i think they obviously saw what tiktok were doing and thought that it'd be great to have that in their platform as well yeah i'll link it back to the data model which um is nice to unpick and think about what the simple building blocks are to it um so i think this is for other social media platforms and it's for retail brands consumer brands uh, anything that's consumer facing which is understand your product that you're selling to your customer whether that's content on tiktok whether that's a, a product in a store tin of beans uh, within a supermarket understand the attributes against that product and once you know those attributes and netflix spotify tiktok will have hundreds of attributes which are consumer curated uh, against those so how customers are describing those products um, and then using those attributes and using the interactions of customers and products and products and products so what's a substitutable product what's an affined product and, and we and obviously this is this is the core of a lot of what we do um, you can then start to make better better recommendations so the last thing i'll say because i think it's critical we talk about ease and speed a lot but speed is probably the key one for tiktok which is there's definitely a lot of real-time processing that's going on in terms of the speed that that algorithm updates based on what you're looking at. That might not necessarily be in session, but definitely when you come back on, uh, there's some learning that's been done and it's and it's honing those algorithms. So more real-time and speed of execution is probably the one, the one that I'll call out as a, a key learning for them all. Okay, brilliant. So it's been a fascinating discussion. Thanks, Tom, and thank you, Jesse, on your debut appearance on the podcast. I'm going to go away and train my algorithm, so I've got some fun stuff to watch later. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening, and tune in again next time. Thanks, Pete. Many thanks to Jesse and Tom for appearing on this week's episode.
It was really enjoyable talking about TikTok and what makes the platform so addictive, getting into detail about their For You recommendation engine. If you'd like to hear more about Hypero and the work that we do for clients, which often revolves around using data science and AI to understand customers and then to personalize recommendations to their end customers, please do get in touch either via peter at hyper-group.co.uk or check out our website, www.hyper-group.co.uk. Thanks again for listening and please do tune in again next time. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.